But uh, we do need to address a legal, a legal, a legal drama that has been gripping this country. Yes, we have to talk about. Let it. me start the show. We've got to talk about it. Jury, jury finds Gwyneth Paltrow not at fault in ski crash. <laughs> yeah, he knew it. He knew that would happen. I mean, have we not been gripped by this? As Bill Maher said, was this not the whitest court case ever? A Hollywood actress and a retired orthodontist have a ski accident in Utah. <laughs> and it didn't involve the Osmonds. And it didn't involve the Osmonds. Of course, uh, of course, of course, the trial would have gone a lot more quickly if Gwyneth Paltrow's attorney hadn't had to keep asking for recesses so that his client could steam her vagina. See, the thing is, I, I don't knew, even know if this is parody. I knew this was heading to a vagina joke. It's Seti Co. Part 2, The Revenge. The show where we create revenge sequels that nobody wanted. This time is the right time to turn this show off. It is Seti Bimko Part 2, The Revenge, the show that daydreams about revenge sequels that were never made. Do you have anything more to say about uh, vagina-scented candles or anything? No, I sure don't. George, are you really unaware that she was in trial about uh, crashing into a guy on skis? No, I just wasn't sure if they had to take recesses. Oh, oh. oh sure they did. They made, it, was a goopy, I, it was a goopy mess. It was a big old oh, goopy well done, sir. It was a goopy. And welcome goop. our new sponsor, Goop. Goop. There our you new sponsor, go. Goop. <laughs> yep. There you go. Before we start the show, I'm going to pick what we do, what we call a wild card question, because in this movie, one of the characters will. We're going to ask which character would most likely to. I picked it out of a jar, and it's number two. Most <laughs> like most likely to open a yoga studio. Wow, that's that is very goopy. It is very, very, very on point. Very on point. Yes, I did amazing things this week before I even ask anybody else what they did. Okay, I went to a a burlesque show, (laughs) and I saw George there. George was there. I was there too. (laughs) And we saw an amazing magic card trick. A guy put cards in George's hands. George closed his hands over the deck of cards, and when he opened them, the deck of cards were gone. George, were you in on that? No, I'm. A, I'm still. So yeah, there was a part where the uh, magician Albert Cadabra had a stack of cards with a card that we had picked on top of it. He put it in my hand, so I'm feeling this the entire time. Now, he covered my hand with his hand, but there was this continuous feeling of these cards pressed down, and he lifted it up, and there was a like a lucite plastic block instead. And I was flabbergasted. And you know what I did then, John? What did you do? You got up and you flipped over a table. I pulled a a quarter out of George's ear, and the magician was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I got to go. And he quit. He's like, I'm giving up this. I can't do this anymore. (laughs) I think think people need to know about Tim is he gets very competitive in public like that. So (laughs) as he mentioned, we were at a burlesque show. So when the different performers were stripping out their clothes, Tim's like, I could do that, too. And he kept trying to take his pants off, and it took three of us to wrestle him down to the ground. Oh, just this, to hold his pants back on. This brings back memories oh. of high school. <laughs> <laughs> Math class. I can't tell the Hamlet boner for nothing. I can't tell you the number of times between social studies and geometry where we had to wrestle him <laughs> to the ground in the hall of our high school because he was trying to take his pants off. I just wanted to pick No, people. Tim, it's they almost, time. They almost sent him to that special class, you know, where, like, the kids with the helmets were so they didn't hurt themselves. Oh. Yeah, we had, like, this oh. hallway. It was, like, the, they called it special education now. I don't know what they call it now. I'm probably offending somebody by saying special education. I apologize. I'm no. old. But... There's like this one hallway <laughs> where like the lights would flicker on and off, and it was like special education, the band room, and Spanish two. And I just always and thought art. that was like the oddest combination. It was just like this random yeah. hall. And it was like the first class the I art. remember, like my junior year of high school, Spanish two. I was like, I think I've written something down wrong. Like, I didn't even know this hallway existed. <laughs> it was scary. That was next to the art room too. There was an art room down there, yep. That's right. I forgot about that. 
I think it's outrageous. Spanish two wasn't called Spanish dose. Yeah, come on. I'm just saying. Well, well I'm sure it's, it's sure it's uh, at one point it was, <laughs> but when we talked amongst ourselves, George, we spoke English. Oh, yeah. It, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a totally immersive Espanol dose. It was. Oh, look at you showing off. I know. Espanol dos. Espanol dos. Los immersivos. <laughs> But right, the, now that we've lost all our Spanish, I'm sorry. Was that the end? Of, was that the end of your story about the burlesque show? Oh well, I, the worst thing, the worst oh, okay. thing in the corner. Oh, in the corner, there were like four women. Uh-huh. They had all had plastic surgery uh-huh. to look like uh, Jennifer. Um, uh, wait, who was she? Jennifer Coolidge. Yes, you know the they woman all from, looked uh, like her. It was bizarre. And they had all had. You could tell they had surgery. It was surgery to specifically like. look like Jennifer Coolidge. Do you not think so, George? Like, well, so I've I've learned more about that since then. Can I tell, spill some tea in that whole thing? Okay. Well, here for before you get into it, can I ask a question? Like, did it? How long did it, do you think it? Did it look like they got it? Like after the Emmy speech, after the Golden Globe speech? Like, are they still healing? <laughs> I. Anyway, go ahead. No, tell your story. Just I, I'm kind of trying to absorb yeah. all. This. Well, first to address your. Address your question. I think it was less a specific effort to copy Jennifer Coolidge than it was a specific effort from three of them to copy their leader. Yeah, I think she. There was one woman who was like the alpha, and the other ones were all looking like her. They were these kind of like, um, like middle aged, like a little bit, and by middle age, I mean a bit older than us. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were all Russian, as it turned out, uh. and they actually they had some uh, they had some battles with people that we found out about after the fact. Oh, I didn't know. In fact, um, yeah, no, we didn't notice this, Tim, at all, but there was a whole incident where they were, like, yelling abuse at some people that were sitting next, sit, seated next to them. Oh. And uh, they, those people actually were comp to table elsewhere in the establishment. Hmm. Um, it, we might have to cut this part out because I don't know much of this I should talk about. But it was a whole thing that, like, people had to deal with behind the scenes. Well, can you tell and me what it was today, about? My, I'll, I'll cut it out if I have to. Uh, it was uh, specifically, you know how there's those little seats that get put in front of the booth sometimes? Mm-hmm. There was a young couple that was placed in that seat by one of the performers. And these women just like heaped abuse on particularly uh, the they... young woman of color that was there. Oh, no. Mm. It was a thing. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. the only time something like this has happened. Um, but luckily, they actually reached out to uh, to Nip and uh, Rex. And they're going to be comped. And the rest, it was all... It all worked out for the well. Although my, my mother didn't want to ask. I'm sorry, am I interrupting your story now? Because my mother wanted to ask Tim something. She wants to know if you have ever eaten at a restaurant called 21 Greenpoint, which is on Greenpoint mm-hmm. Avenue. I looked it up. Apparently, it's next to the WNYC Transmitter Park. It's on Greenpoint <laughs> Avenue. It's like, I said, Mom, it looks like like by train, it's like a half hour from his neighborhood. So I think Green, he kind of... Twenty-one Greenpoint. The reason why she wants to know is because Bill Murray's son is either the manager or the executive chef there, and my mother like loves Bill really? Murray. Like, I hope if my mother ever really? meets Bill Murray, like right. Bill Murray won't be an asshole to her. You know what I mean? Because my yeah. mother just absolutely yeah. loves. Now, this is from the first marriage. The first wife died, but after they got divorced, because he was addicted to marijuana and was a sex addict. So I think this might be one of the kids from that <laughs> marriage. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe he is from the second marriage. Yep. And the other son is the uh, assistant basketball coach at, um, I can't think right now. Anyway. And then she also Bill Murray was addicted to, oh. to marijuana yeah. and sex. I, oh, okay. Mm. I Sounds see. like a good time. You're joking. Does sound like a great time. No, that's <laughs> what my mother told me. My, I, don't, I don't think my mother has that good. My mother has a great sense of humor. Don't get me wrong. And she it also does. wants to know if you've ever been to Greenwood Cemetery. Oh, yeah. Have you been, been on a there? tour? Sure. Been on a tour. Are, you, are you pulling my leg? I am not. No, it's, a, it's it, Greenwood Cemetery you've is like a tours. legit attraction. Yeah. People have picnics there. Okay. Yeah. No, I just wondered. It's on 25th Street. It's enormous. It, run, it runs. It's it runs yeah, like, like I'm looking like, like, it, and like it, so. It's like located between like. Greenwood Heights, Park Slope, Windsor Terrace, Borough Park, Kensington, Sunset. So it must take up a really big to border all those neighborhoods. It must be must be humongous. I saw I saw the grave of the man who created the sewing machine and the tour guides like his whole family's buried there and he's buried with his dog, but his wife is not buried. Well, she's duh. Like, <laughs> her bones are just scattered on the surface. Yes, her right? bones are scattered. 
<laughs> well, it's funny Ooh. you talk about, well, great. Okay, so my mother wanted to know because she wants to know about two specific graves. One is the mother of President Theodore Roosevelt, and the other is his first wife, who both died the same day. I mean, literally the same day. They died on Valentine's Day, 1884. Um, his daughter had been born two days earlier, and they both died within hours of each other. And apparently their graves are there. My, my mother just, like, thinks of yes, these things and just, like, calls me. Tell your mom like, I you know, saw like, those graves. John will know. Like, I don't know why she thinks this, but she's like, John will know this. I did. I saw them, like, John. he's most – oh, did you really? Okay. I did. Did I'm you not, know how they I'm died, not. right? Um. The wife was. Uh, they, they both ate a piece of chocolate. No, um, the, uh, his wife, um, Alice Lee, um, on Valentine's Day, eighteen eighty four, was killed crossing the street while she was looking at her cell phone, and the mother. The mother lit a candle that smelled like vagina. No, the mother actually it was the mother that gave Martha Bullock Roosevelt is who was allegedly, allegedly the inspiration for Scarlett O'Hara by Margaret Mitchell. Um, she had delivered her granddaughter via surrogacy. It was the first IVF treatment. And then they're like, okay, so major breakthrough in medical history. Um, don't, don't, don't ask a 48-year-old woman typically to carry a pregnancy to term. Um, you know, that doesn't sound right now that I say it out loud. Maybe you can't no. believe everything you read on the Internet. I guess I guess I'll just stop right there. <laughs> I'm going to let you introduce this movie, but I have a question for you. Sure, go ahead. Are, are you... Uh, I, I don't want to say, are you, you feeling okay? I'm Ever not high. So you stopped. ask it, Tim. I am not high. No, it's just in general, ever since we've stopped picking teenage movies, you've, number one, you picked a movie about a man who's killing <laughs> killing people in his village, his town, who he thinks are bad for the town. Mm -hmm. A movie about the son of, the son mm -hmm. of Satan, which is a very sad, sad story. Mm -hmm. And now, mm -hmm. a, co a comedy about the Manson murders. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Coming from the man who wants to talk about Hitler every other week. Okay, yeah, okay, Tim. I know. Yeah, that was some glass I houses just to right ask. there. Yeah, exactly. You That's know, so blast. Tim, you know, I mean, might I add that at the same time, I just don't like people. The more people that die in a I, movie, the better. Okay, yeah, there you go. Okay. Ever since the pandemic, okay. like, oh, lockdown, we never got to see anybody. I was like, this is the happiest I have ever been in my life. <laughs> I want to see. I think my next movie might be about the Jonestown Massacre. There's got to be oh, a comedy written. I was about. looking for one. George made that joke. There's got to be a comedy written about that, don't you think? John, you have to be the force that brings that into the world, I yeah. think. Maybe I'll just have to write it. So introduce, introduce this movie. Okay, John. the name of the movie is, the original name of the movie is Leslie, My Name is Evil. And it is a 2009 Canadian film written and directed by Reginald Harkima. It was renamed Manson, My Name is Evil, after its initial release. And I'm still going to re refer to it as Leslie, My Name is Evil, because, yeah. A, as we have already stated, the three pillars of season one of SETI Bimco were Tony and Emmy Award winner, B. Arthur, Academy Award winner, Louise Fletcher, and mass murderer, Leslie Van Houten. And also because... They changed the title to Manson, My Name is Evil, but they didn't change the theme song. It's still like, Leslie. Man. <laughs> My name is Evil. Can I talk about? You can talk about whatever you want. That's you theme song. That theme song slapped. Like, that was great. Like, Wasn't it? Like, as soon as we put this on, this has... I, so there's a whole story I have. I did some research on this song, which I don't think I'm going to bust out up front. But okay. I'm going to tell you all at the end of the movie after we encapsulate well, go ahead, this. Tell us what we're talking yeah, about. We're talking about the opening montage. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. You want to, you want to hear this? Yeah. But I'm going to read from an article. Okay. So yeah. uh, you already mentioned this film, Leslie, My Name is Evil, by uh, Canadian filmmaker Reg Harkima. Mm -hmm. The entire inspiration from this film comes from a misheard lyric. 
So that song, uh-huh. Leslie, is by Pink Mountaintops. I immediately put it on my Spotify. I've been listening to a list of music for the last couple of days. Really? Of just from this, because I loved this song. I was like, this song is great. But he, the lyric is not Leslie, my name is evil. Mm-hmm. The song is called Leslie, my name isn't Eva, is what it's saying. Uh-huh. And I'm going to read this part. <clears throat> so there's inspiration for doing this film, right? Basically, Reg Harkima is hanging around at the time in Vancouver. He's reading an old copy of Helter Skelter, the account of the Manson murders, listening to this album on repeat over and over again. And he's, this is a quote from him. He saw, well, he saw that the hottest Manson chick was this Dutch Christian girl named Leslie Van Houten, who was the same age as my mom, who was also a hot Dutch Christian chick. I was intrigued, intrigued. How the hell does my mom become a hippie death cult murderess? And the entire time I'm reading it, I'm playing the first Pink Mountaintops album in heavy rotation, and it's got the song Leslie on it. The way he slurs the words together, it sounds like, Leslie, my name is evil. Oh, it did. But the song, <laughs> yeah, and the song is actually, what it says, Leslie, my name isn't Eva. It's actually about a lesbian hitting on a drag queen in a bar. Oh, well, well, that's totally different. Right? But it's great. And immediately, like, this is easily the, I mean, coming off of, like, our recent atrocity of a song that was the fucking garbage (laughs) fest that was She Devils on Wheels. This song was great. It influenced my music taste. This was also, this is going to be a hard movie for me to work with. Yeah. It's, It's a real movie. Like and I, we've made this joke before. This it's, was a real movie. This movie only came out in 20, 2009, right? right? Yeah. It's offensive and on many levels. If you look this up, it's got an IMDb page, mm-hmm. a Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. The actors have all worked elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have. These are people like this was like a thing. Now I have some huge issues with it, of course. Oh yeah. sure, but like it, and also it is. I'm expecting, John, as you are probably the biggest Manson family aficionado I know, I'm expecting you to kind of illustrate to us which parts are, are flights of fancy and which parts oh, are real okay. as we it. go through this. And, you know, this kind of all ties up, and this is why I picked this movie, because I have seen this movie before. And you I, have? Okay. And I don't know why it popped up in my Tubi queue. I, I didn't see it on Tubi. Um. I mean, it had been a couple of years ago that I had seen it. So I don't know. It just popped up on my, on the Tubi in my queue. I was like, I have seen this movie before. And here's what I'm going to say about, okay, first of all, and I don't want to say, I'm going to just make a disclaimer here. I am not one of these people who are in any way glorifying Charles Manson or his followers. There are people out there who have recorded his songs. They've, there are websites dedicated to him like he's some sort of demigod. It is just such a horrendous, heinous chapter in Los Angeles history, maybe in American history. But it is so fascinating because I read Helter Skelter for the first time when I was about 19 years old. And I've read it a few times since. And what I always said was, if somebody had, tur- if somebody had come with this screenplay as a piece of fiction nobody would have made it because it would have been so unbelievable. Yeah, it's outlandish. Yeah, so what I'm going to segue into here is there are some elements of truth in the actual, um, in the actual uh, Manson family story. It's largely fabricated, and maybe they did that for legal reasons. Maybe they didn't want to get sued. Um Because if you take this as, and this is why I picked it as a quote unquote bad movie, because it is very historically inaccurate. It almost borders on theater of the absurd. Yeah, it took me a while to figure that out. But now my favorite part of the movie, because it's actually kind of I don't want to say two different movies, but two kind of there's an A plot and there's a B plot. There's Perry, the juror, the young kid. Who's, who's on the jury and everything that he's going through, getting out of college, worrying about having to dodge the draft. He's a Christian who comes from a very Christian, very conservative family. He really just wants to get down his girlfriend's pants, but that's never going to happen. 
And that's hey, what that's what makes I, I get a, a quote unquote bad movie. Go ahead, Tim. What are you going to say? I have a question. Go ahead. <laughs> yes, Tim. You think this is the biggest tragedy in American history up until 2016? What? Oh, I don't know. There's, there's so many American tragedies. How can you narrow that down? What 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 happened in 2016? Are you talking Never. about? Are you talking about when Gwyneth <laughs> Paltrow ran into that guy on the ski slope? Yeah, because that happened in that 2016. Happened in 2016? Isn't it that's, funny that's how that meant. happened in 2016? Yep. And you thought when I said that's legal breaking news, I knew what you thought you were going to – you thought I was going to talk, I talk about something else. That also kind of got it's got started in 2016, but I I, I, yeah. I, I threw a curveball at you, didn't I? You did. You did. And there's some comics in this, in this opening. Yeah. Could you identify who drew those? I meant to look Jay, it up and I forgot. Jay, Jay Bone. I looked it right up. Oh really? That was oh, easy okay. to find. Bone. He's a very he's a fan of Darwin Cook. Obviously. Right. No, yeah, no, no offense to him. This is some silly comic book talk that we'll just yeah. say. Well, we'll get, we'll get into that. We're going to set up the movie. For, we'll get into that when we get to that scene. Yeah. But um, basically, the movie asks the question: Would you consider somebody guilty of a crime if they were a flower child hippie? Right. They and literally asked that question. They yeah. literally yeah. asked that question. I'm not making that up. How could I make that up? Um, and basically, you've got Perry, who is our protagonist. I'm not even going to say hero. I'm just going to say protagonist. And he has been called for jury duty. And it opens up with him sitting in the uh, witness box where they're asked, where the defense attorney and the prosecutor are asking him questions. A huge portrait of Richard Nixon, which I don't think would exist in a state court in California, but what do I know? I think somebody just said, well, hey, we found a big we found a big portrait of Richard Nixon. We got to use this. Maybe that's why they wrote the movie. Maybe the scene was already planned when he heard the song. Oh, yeah. Leslie, my name isn't Eva. You know, I don't know. It was <laughs> there was a giant American flag uh, on the other side. I was like, what, what's that? There was a big, yes. Yeah, so I, I want to know what that was covering up. Because that was not a court. Canadian was, flag, probably since it was a probably, company, yeah, Canadian no. flag. I guess they think, I guess, do they <clears> think. There's a big maple leaf right off camera. Do they think in Canada that we have these big portraits of all our presidents? Like, then he's in the library. Probably. And here we get to the part where he meets his girlfriend, Dorothy. Right. And she's asking if he believes in Jesus and all this stuff. And there's like a big picture of LBJ on the end of one bookshelf and then a big portrait of JFK on the next bookshelf. I was like, do they think we just have like, do they think this is like communist China with like all the portraits of Mao everywhere? I mean, it was just like, again, you have to, if it's not theater of the absurd, you have to kind of sort of suspend reality to enjoy this because if you are, you know, really yeah, into the Manson family and a Red Helter Skelter and know all about the murders, this movie is going to drive you bonkers because, as I said, there are just sort of little <laughs> nuggets of truth in here and a lot of oh. the stuff is fictionalized. It's made by Canadians, so, you know, so. Well, Who I the love. thing about this movie that I think is interesting is that because it is much more of a movie than we usually watch, uh-huh. I almost... I, I kind of like I feel like I want to give it actually a little bit more of like a sensitive critique than we normally do uh-huh. instead of just being like, oh, the, this stupid <laughs> thing happens like like kind of the theme of it is it's setting up the parallel journeys of these two Christian bringing right. upbringings. Leslie Van Houten was- and her family and him. Right. But the weird thing about this movie, if I may is it's called Leslie. My name is evil. Although eventually changed to Manson. My name is evil, which that's just silly. Like Leslie starts off as a central character and we we kind of skip along with points of her life. And right. like the filmmaker doesn't quite commit to that viewpoint. Like we start off with her as a, as a young girl, not like a child, yes. but like a teenager. Yeah. And right. we see these moments of her life and we get these bits that are supposed to give us an insight to how she becomes the killer. And then he just drops it. Yeah, she, she just was, becomes this kind of figure in the courtroom we don't have any interior view of anymore. Right. And yeah, I think – go ahead, Tim. I'm sorry. I was okay. just – I was going to say that overall, overall, if, if George insists on being a little bit serious, the, the film is like the Christian family believes in killing the uh, – the, 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 
people in Vietnam and right. uh, yeah. Manson, his family believes in Jesus and they want to kill the, the pigs being right. Uh, there's a nice scene where the follower waves her hand over to the whole courtroom pigs are all of you pigs are all of you right but i do think harkima though some of it i mean it's some of it is very heavy stuff as obviously anything relating to the manson family would be but i think he also does a lot of it tongue-in-cheek like with the very stereo so i think if we kind of make our humor in kind of that tongue-in-cheek spirit I think oh, we'll be okay. I'm not worried. Yeah. I'm not making fun. I'm yeah. not. Uh, I was yeah. only, the only thing that offended me, like they can do it whatever they want. I don't even mean to say that. Right. Only thing that upset me was it's a goofy movie. And I believe they were usually using real photos of dead people in Vietnam. And I'm like, what? they were, why that was, are you, that was pretty rough. Why you put, yeah. this is a comedy. Why are you even using these? I know. Well, what you're let's just say, about. what was this movie? I mean, what was it supposed to be? Yeah. They were trying to get, they were trying to get a message out. And I don't know oh, if yeah. I necessarily agreed with the message. Like, okay, don't get me wrong. I, you know, if there's any, by the way, if anybody's listening and if they still think that Vietnam was a good idea, please send us an email because I would like <laughs> to hear your argument. No. I, by no way say, yes, Vietnam was a horrific, I'm going to see, I'm going to say it. it was a human rights, it was a human rights abuse. I'm getting an email um, yeah. right now, John, from Gwyneth Paltrow. She no longer wants to be a sponsor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. Tell her, oh, well, easy come, easy go. Tell her, tell her we'll get back to her. Say, Gwyneth, go steam your vagina by the time we get done. Oh, no, don't. We'll be back. We, we, we'll, we'll, answer your, we'll answer your email. Um, but I no, don't I care think, if anybody steams their vagina either. But uh, you know, I, think what, I think they were kind of trying to make uh, – I think they were tr- kind of trying to make a – a, a, a parallel to how can you send these people yeah. to death for murdering somebody when you're murdered, when the U S government is murdering all these people in Vietnam. I'm like, right. that's kind of apples and oranges though. I mean, yes, yeah. it still involves dead people. I understand on a very basic level, it involves but- people being dead, but there's one thing to kind of, and not that it makes it any better if you're a soldier, they're they're almost faceless, you know. You're going. Yeah. I get. I'm I'm sounding very conservative and very hawkish here. I'm trying to very clumsily make the distinction here, but to actually physically go into somebody's house with knives and stab them multiple right. times just because, yeah. you know. I, I you know I get it. You know. Leslie Van Houten's parents got divorced. My parents got divorced. You know, Leslie oh, Van Houten started so. doing LSD. I've tried LSD. Um, Leslie Van Houten had an abortion. Leslie Van Houten killed a bunch of people. I never had, you know, you Leslie Van Houten had an abortion. You. I never had the abortion. Maybe that was the thing that pushed her over the edge. I don't know. But, you know, it's like a lot of us have had these very terrible things happen to us. Oh, yeah. And have yeah. and some of us have experimented with hallucinogens, and yet we did not go in and slaughter seven people. No. Um, no. Was she? She was not involved in the first murders, the Sharon Tate murders, no, right? She allegedly, allegedly, her defense now is that she was only there at the La Bianca's the next night. And her defense is because she got released for a year because she went back to trial. Um, the tr- it was that her her defense attorney wound up missing. They found his body like twenty years later out in the canyons. I'm sure the Manson family had nothing to do with that. But wow. um, really, I didn't know that part. Yeah, Ronald Hughes was his name, I believe. But um, the uh, uh, so she was out on trial. Her claim is that. I'm laughing and I don't know why because I'm trying to keep this light. <laughs> so we're getting a little serious here. She she claimed that yes, she stabbed Rosemary LaBianca about a dozen times, but that she was already dead. So she really shouldn't yeah. be in jail yeah. for murder. And I'm like thinking, ooh, what a dainty little flower! You only inflicted your twelve knife wounds, wounds post mortem. Of course, you should be totally exonerated and set free. What sort of danger would you possess to society? Well, in relation to the movie, too, I thought it was interesting. They show that scene, and it is inconclusive whether or not La Bianca is dead. We see her bound on the floor, 
and then we we kind of go like she, I'm like, is she dead? Because I I know because previously on this podcast I had professed my ignorance as to Leslie Van Houten yeah. was roundly mocked for it, and so I knew <laughs> that you would you had said this before. So I'm like, wait, so is this woman dead or not? And they don't show. So I'm like, yeah, good job. And this is where I this- feel like so. Go ahead. But the, the, the main, the main, but the main plot of the movie for people listening is our our Peter Parker character because you look like Peter Parker. Oh my God, or, he did! I was like, this guy would be a good <laughs> Peter Parker. Yeah, he was kind of falling in love with Leslie Van Houten in his yes. mind. They make uh, eye contact while, in the beginning while yes. dating his Christian wife, who who Christian wife was like, no, we can't have sex. Jesus yeah. is my wife. Jesus doesn't want until us we to. get married. Yeah, to, to which he eventually replies, "I don't care what Jesus thinks." Uh, and this is actually, yeah it's a bit of an yeah go ahead george it's a bit of an awakening it's a bit of an awakening story for him it's just the thing that makes it so interesting to me is that we normally have movies that are such spectacular fails that this one kind of swung and missed i think and actually i feel like after reading that little bit of the article at the front do you kind of get the feeling the bits early on where he's kind of exploring leslie van houten's childhood and family upbringing I feel like the filmmakers kind of tell the story of his mom. And I feel like the Peter Parker Parry character is very much the insert for the filmmaker, not knowing who he is like yeah, with, yeah. with, with well, like, while also here's the, the final parallel, which I just think we should get out of the way here. He ends up voting to convict her, you know, on the jury and she's sentenced to death, although, you know, that's later overturned when the death mm-hmm. penalty is repealed in, Ca- in California. But then this entire time, there's this company he's working for or he's slated to work for called the Star Spangled Manufacturing Company. Mm-hmm. And he he the our quote unquote hero, the good Christian boy who is having his weird awakening because he's having sexual fantasies about this hot Manson girl. He goes off to make napalm, yes. which they use in Vietnam, with a truly horrific final image of this movie. That was pretty. Of yeah. this smoldering, smoldering corpse of like a Vietnamese woman holding her baby with smoke coming out of the baby's which eyes. Which wasn't a real, um, real picture. It was a, that wasn't real. Yeah, no, that was, was like horrific. a special effect. Yeah. Yeah. But it was just like – but it was weird. Like the movie really – I feel like you said, John, it was two movies. Right. I feel like it was like four. Because it was just, but it was good at the same yeah. time. It just, it didn't quite I think work. I, I failed on the comedy level because I thought my jokes were going to hit a little harder and they're just not, they're, my jokes just aren't landing this week. But what I got out of it at the end. We're landing. More, more goop jokes. Come I on. don't know. What I, what I got out of Thank God for goop. What I got out of the more goop, say, find out if, find out if Gwyneth is done steaming her <laughs> vagina. I, in doing it, speaking of Catholicism, while I was watching this and doing research, did you know Shia LaBeouf has converted to Catholicism after portraying Who? his uh, the character in his latest film, Shia LaBeouf? Oh no, Shia LaBeouf. Oh yeah, oh yeah, um, the, the Olivier of, of his generation. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. But he's converted Wait. to Catholicism. Wait, what? Question. Yes. Why? Why are we talking about Catholicism? Because, because uh, the the main character Peter Parker in our movie, his father was very. Catholic. Oh, he's definitely not Catholic. Are you no, kidding me? He decided to be. They're either Baptist or Methodist. But um, yeah, we're definitely so? talking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, these are definitely people who probably laughed when Kennedy got shot. Yeah. Can I say something out loud though? To anybody out there considering converting Catholicism, may somebody who was born into the faith and was raised in the faith tell you, don't waste your time. It's going to drive you. Bonkers. It's going to drive you bonkers. There's going to be a night you're going to want to masturbate. And you are going to be so filled with guilt or terror that you're going to go blind. You will never enjoy it again. Wow. Is what I think I that say. only works that, when you're when you're young, though. Oh, see, I still sometimes like I think like, is my grandfather no, watching me? Know. Like, you know, are these like <laughs> are all like the spirits of my deceased ancestors watching me as um yeah. as I'm pushing this guy's face in the wow. pillow? I, you know, I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> probably they're watching. But what? But when I get out of the end of the movie, okay, George, just to kind of again not to be too serious here. 
But the whole thing, yeah. the, the guy is ready to bust a nut. Let's just say what it is. He's ready to bust. His girlfriend yeah, is yeah. not going to give it up until she is. She has that ring on her finger. She is not giving it up. Yeah. This guy, who's I'm going to guess 22 because he's getting ready to graduate from college. This guy is so ready to bust a nut. He sees this. And Leslie Van Houten was a very attractive young girl. He she said, was actually. I looked at the historical photos. She was actually very she actually legit was. She was the homecoming queen. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. Shaved and unshaved. Yeah. She was beautiful. She was Yeah, she really was. And I was shocked to learn that because I, I thought I'd seen pictures of the Manson girls where I'm like, well, she she wasn't like a a feral monster, but right. no, she was actually very attractive. And right. she said, uh, was she the one that said she finally had sex? Could she have sex with Bobby or Charlie? But she said, balling you is like tearing up heaven. I wrote that line. Yeah, that <laughs> was the line with Bobby. <laughs> that was with Bobby. With Bobby. <laughs> that guy who played Bobby had a nice ass. Yeah. I'm just going to say that out loud for the record. But, um, oh, yeah. Uh, There's a little bit of nudity. I mean, see. I'm not talking, you know, guys, you can, you know, you can be straight and still appreciate. That guy had a fantastic ass. I would kill for that ass. Smooth. Yeah, I mean, you're just Ooh, like perfectly you, uh, round, like two uh, two honeydew melons is the best way I can describe it. No, that was a really nice ass. And that does I know it. I John, in art history class, I'm, a, I'm always like, turn around that picture of Michelangelo. Come on. Why do I just got to see the front? Yeah. Oh, look at that little Pacelli. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? David. David. Mike David, David. David. The David, yes. But okay, so getting back to my kind of a per- Okay, so the whole time he can't decide whether or not he's going. He, he, he just, he, he can't do it. He, he, she might be innocent. She doesn't deserve to die. She doesn't deserve to die. And this was kind of a letdown at the end for me. Oh, yeah. When she's not all sexualized and in the good clothes, and she just comes in in that prison dress and she shaved her head, and suddenly she's no longer sexualized. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. when he decides. He, oh yeah, I can, I can have her killed. Like his fantasy, yeah. his sexual fantasy was destroyed. There is one brief moment, and she still has the most beautiful blue eyes, and he makes eye contact. I mean, you know, everybody knows how the Manson case ends. But, you know, um, for that one brief moment, he's connected to her eyes. But in the end, his sexual fantasy is destroyed because his sexual fantasy is destroyed. Yeah, he can have her her killed now. He didn't even mind when she had a cross carved in her forehead. You know? She's still sexy. Exactly. Our Lord and Savior, the sign of our Lord and Savior. That is a Christian. Now, let's see your little girlfriend, Dorothy, carve a... Let's see how good of a Christian (laughs) she is. Let's see her carve a... Let's see her carve a crucifix in her forehead. He was so pathetic in the hotel room while he was sequestered. He was like touching the picture on the wall of a woman in a bathing suit. Who? What? Have you? That was weird, right? That was weird. In a hotel with a picture like that? (laughs) No, he just got the Playboy channel. (laughs) I mean, I never have been. I mean, I'm sure they're out there somewhere, but my God. That picture did not belong in that hotel room. We all know the Beach Boys connection, by the way, right? I looked this up and oh yeah, well, they I'm trashed. sure John does. Yeah, yeah. The I Beach know. Boys you... did record a song by Manson, even though they altered it. Right, and they didn't give him you any know this credit. Record? They gave him a motorcycle and uh, maybe ten thousand dollars, something like that. Yeah, he didn't. Well, back in the sixties, that was probably a pretty good deal. Oh yeah. Jesus Christ, ten thousand bucks and a motorcycle. Yeah. I mean, I think my parents bought their first house in the sixties for like nineteen thousand. Uh, yeah. Well, speaking of people who need help, by the way, I checked. Yes. I checked up on Reagan's assassin, Mr. John Hinckley, Hinckley Jr. He has. <laughs> has, he, has, I don't he, has he rescheduled the tour? He's he's uh, still trying to do this music tour. <laughs> Keeps getting canceled. But he had a oh. show in Florida in front of really in front of a MAGA crowd rally. But he sang he sang a song that he wrote about this Ohio dentist from the early part of the 20th century. His name was Gay Hitler. God and the, damn it. the manga crowd was confused. They didn't know whether to applaud or kick, kick him out. So They applauded. <laughs> Trust me, I'll tell you how this ended. They applauded. <laughs> they applauded. They're, no, they're very confused. 
But anyway, that's how his tour is going. Wait, Tim, have we established on this show that Gay Hitler was an actual (laughs) dentist from Ohio? Yeah, we talked about it. That was his name. Okay. Just to remind people, you missed an episode. There was a real person. I was a real person named Gay Hitler. His father was George Washington Hitler. His father was George Washington Hitler. They named the the Gay Hitler Jewish Community Center after him. That's right. We established this already. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's I think that's about all we have to talk about on Leslie. My name is evil. I, you know what? Is I, that it? I, I, I do have a question. Go does, ahead. Go ahead, George. Does anybody need to bring up? Does anybody need to bring up a character for revenge purposes? That because we kind of like we did not do the plot of this one. Yeah, there were like three Manson girls in this movie. Uh, can you name them? Well, all? I didn't learn the names George, of any. John? No, no. There, was no, there was Susan Leslie Van Houten. Leslie Van Hannon and Linda, or um, not what Patricia Krenwinkel. Oh, and Linda, or Linda Kasabian, who drove the car to Cielo Drive. But what did they call her? Laura, oh, Laura um, Flower Child. Uh, Laura Flower Child Soft this. Beauty or something like that. It was it was it was soft faced or something. Soft it was pretty beauty, funny. Yeah, something like that. And now I call this the next witness, Laura Flowerchild Soft Beauty. I was like, wow, you really do not want to get sued, buddy, buddy, do you? <laughs> we had the father, conservative father, Peter Parker, Dorothy, the woman that Peter Parker was supposed to well, he does he does marry at the end of the movie as a child, by the way. Yeah. He, yes. he goes to work building Making napalm. Making napalm. And during the courtroom scheme, was it napalm or was it was it Agent Orange? Well, they didn't. They didn't say. They just. I was thinking the whole time it was uh, Agent Orange, but at the end, when they showed the horrible corpse, they specifically say something about napalm. Yeah, but the only reason the only reason I think it was Agent Orange was they were talking about they were making herbicides, and that's what Agent Orange. Oh, you're right. Earlier, that's what Agent Orange was. It defoliated the the jungles. Yeah. So there were so they could the Viet Cong couldn't hide. Hot, yeah. <laughs> for what this guy was for, just a bad for as much as that worked. But during the courtroom scene, um, there was a lot of silly humor that was like, "You're trying to be silly here, but you're not going all the way." And during the courtroom, she was saying, "Well, we were making love. He was he was sticking it in me." And everybody's like, "Wait, wait! You can't say stick it in. You can't say yeah. bawling." And I just wanted to point out that one older, like he must have been about 80. That one old, he's just grinning ear from ear, ear to ear when he's talking about balling. But did you see, I sent an email. He looked like John Waters. Did you not notice that? It was like a John Waters lookalike. That can't have been an accident. That can't have been an accident. I was kind of, I thought that's who you meant. Um, If you hadn't said anything, I might have missed that. So... So we have Leslie. I have a. I want to point this out. Leslie in this movie, she's the one behind the scenes who had all these weird terms for sex. She had making love, falling, sticking it in, knocking boots, raw dogging, getting down with hootie, checking out the blowfish, <laughs> fishing for the fish, spelled P-H-I-S. Wow. <laughs> and also, this is a, a coincidence because there's another Leslie around that time, uh, Miss Leslie Gore. Who John's uncle dated well, my once? My uncle right? turned her lesbian. Yep, my uncle turned her lesbo. That's right. Leslie Gore. Well, she uncle. also had odd terms for sex. Such a coincidence. She had terms like "it's my party time," uh, "Judy's turn to try," "shoe don't own me" because "shoe" was her little term for sex back then in 1963. Uh-huh. Uh, sunshine lollipops and latex raincoats. And oddly enough. Checking out the blowfish was also one of her terms. Checking out the blowfish. I swear, who you got the name for the band? Everybody knows that. Yes. <laughs> All those songs you mentioned in the Leslie Gore bit, are those actually Leslie Gore songs? Uh, yeah. Plays it's, on oh, the It's words. my party. You don't it's know. It's my party. Me. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, I knew the songs. So I didn't know that was all one person. Yeah. I don't. I didn't know. Uh, that's impressive. Way to go, Leslie Gore. Yes. Um, you're you're a creative. Um, Songster, yeah, man, she's she's, so, she's dead now. But anyway, so don't 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 worry about thanking. Don't worry about thanking her, Leslie Gore. Un- unless unless as you hang out with John's relatives, watching him masturbate, push the guy's faces <laughs> into pillows at three o'clock in the morning. 
Also, nice. I found out in this movie, there's a, there's a cute girl at the dentist who calms you down. So somebody says that, and I'm like, really? I didn't know there was a cute Yeah, cute she gives you a hand job. Yeah, the receptionist. She gives you a hand job. You never had that happen to you before, Tim? You no. You never had the dental receptionist give you a hand job to, like, release the tension? I, never? I don't have, oh I don't have good insurance, I guess. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, cartoonists, we have to pay for it out of pocket. They just light a candle that smells like vagina. I do, I do have very good dental insurance. <laughs> Yeah, my my dentist just lights a candle that smells like. They don't even charge you for the hand job. Well, yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. What so, is it? Revenge right, time. Wherever you are, wherever you're hiding, I'll find you. I'll get you. I'll get you. Revenge. I'll get revenge. You. revenge. Revenge. One of us will die. One of us will die. I will die. not, I will not let Cindy take oh, my place. Die. I will have my revenge. revenge. So this, starting this week, we're going to try something different. Uh, yeah. We're going to, we're just going to all ad lib together the the wild card question. Okay. All right. And what was it again? Who from this movie is most likely to start up? Open a yoga studio. Open right. a yoga studio. When did yoga start? Anybody know that? Well, I think fifteen oh two. Yeah, I was going to say. I think it's like in India. Like I don't right. know. Well, in, a, in America, it became popular in the seventies. So on, the Mayflower, on the Mayflower. Period. They were doing it on the Mayflower. On the Mayflower. That's right. They were doing yoga on the Mayflower. They were doing yoga on the Mayflower. Because they really, but they failed miserably. Boy, those those Puritans were some uptight <laughs> bitches, weren't they? It just did not work for. So, since it didn't work on the Mayflower, and they're like, oh, we're still so uptight, it like kind of like receded for a couple hundred years. And then it came back. Um so, well, the first colony at Roanoke was they, they actually had a yoga studio. They found the yoga mats in the lost they, colony. Like they couldn't find the bodies. You know, they couldn't find any of the people. Yeah. They don't know. Did they, get a, did they get absorbed into the native population? They didn't know. But they found their dwellings, yoga mats all over the place. And Croatoa, the line, the, the word that was written on the tree yeah. indicating where to go, that's just that's just downward dog backwards. That's right. The person had dyslexia who wrote that. That's yeah. right. Exactly. I get very excited about yoga, about the history of yoga. I really do. So who? Does anybody have a name? None of us are thinking, uh, right? Because it's like I'll throw out a name. Yeah. I'll throw out the most obvious name, and then we can spitball from there. I mean, there's already a person in this movie who's created a commune of like-minded individuals in the desert. Dorothy. Dorothy. No. Who are you going to ask now? Who are you going to say? Charles? I was going to say Charles, but then uh-huh. I was going to throw out the idea because there's the great sing-off scene where Bobby and Charles are vying for control. And Bobby even says to uh, to Leslie, what if I go off and create my own group, my own yoga studio? That's right. I forgot about and she's that all like, Right? right? And Ooh. she's like, I would do tree pose with you all day as we play nut butt. Which is one of her many terms for sex. Right. It didn't get in. Uh-huh. <laughs> nut butt. Nut butt. So, nut butt. In prison. Yeah, that's a that's a yoga pose. Nut butt. Nut <laughs> after their death after their death sentences got commuted to life in prison, they started yoga studios while incarcerated at the behest of Charlie. Yes. And yes. And that you know, the, the, but the, the the California correctional uh, system wasn't very supportive in the beginning. But like, here we found these old mats in some ruin in North Carolina. You can use those, <laughs> <laughs> and it costs five cigarettes to get into the. Uh, costs five cigarettes to get into the. It's true. And they just sit around and smoke smoke cigarettes. I have a question, Tim. Yeah. I'm a member of the P- I'm incarcerated in the penal system in California. I only Ooh. have four cigarettes, but I but <laughs> but I do have a piece of paper I've rolled to look like a cigarette. Uh-oh. How closely will this get me into the class? Is what I'm asking. Uh, need, How closely need, do you examine? At least need four four cigarettes and one finger, then you get into the class. I, yeah. I have actually, as it turns out, I have eleven fingers. Uh, so can I sacrifice one of those fingers to get? Oh, into I didn't the mean class? you had to right. cut it off. I just mean you had to to stick right. it somewhere. Right. No, I just I'm just talking severed fingers I have hanging around my my jail cell. Oh, well, see in the prison system, it, it's all about you know. They say when people get fingered, it normally means you're getting told on. No, but it means something so it different means here. You're sticking it in somewhere. I just said that. Wait, wait, Tim. I have a question. <laughs> yeah. Can you list ten places where the finger are being stuck? <laughs> Well, well, <laughs> oh well, okay. Well, what, Wait, you mean just on my? Is, you already said. Well, first of all, how many, how many, how many people are around? 
Well, we, we, uh, it's jail, so there's always a person within six feet of you. Well, there you go. Well, I can think. All right, so oh, well. you know, you got ten people. What more do I need to say? I mean, there are ten places to stick a finger. But where? I need I need specifics. Ad lib is great. Really, George. Ad-lib is, really, he's George. really working out great. <laughs> I like building on each other's stories. Think of my deceased ancestors looking down from me from heaven. What do you? Th- where do you think I would put <laughs> nice. that thing? I'm I'm saying I right, sphincter. So what? This one, right? This is called sphincter. Yoga, then, right? We got it. Sphincter yoga. We got it. Yeah. Nice, Tim. Bring it around. Sphincter yoga. Sphincterific. That's right. their motto. That's their advertising. Come to Light come some to candles yoga made and C-block. It's sphincterific. Cost you four cigarettes and a finger. Or five cigarettes. Or five cigarettes. I have a question. The end. I have a question. <laughs> yeah. What What does Gwyneth Paltrow think of sphincter yoga? Is it going to be featured? Oh, I'm sure she loves <laughs> no. it. I'm sure she loves it. So Tim, do you regret us all working together on this yet? I think so. I think that I think, right, cool. I think, so I think about three weeks. Sphincter yoga. Ago. We got Sphincter Yoga. Yeah, Sphincter Yoga. And so. what was her name? Right. What was your name who started this studio? I don't even remember. Bobby. Bobby. Bobby started it. Bobby, Bobby and we, Leslie did it as a split off from Charlie. But we yes. did it. We did it. We did it. We did it. There you and go. And they, they rubbed their heads against mats to try to rub out those crosses they carved in their heads, because they really <laughs> did that. Yeah, I looked that part up because I, I was like, I looked up interviews and 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 the most recent interview, uh, uh, I forget what the interviewer was. She's like, "Oh, that cross thing hasn't come out of your head yet," and she's laughs. She goes, "No, I'm hoping I get older. It'll just look like a bunch of wrinkles." So that was that. Right. That worked out great. That worked out great. <laughs> Wait, Tim, why are you crying? <laughs> Tim, All right, who wants to go first in the revenge thing? Oh, I don't care. Mine's real short. You go first. That you're the appetizer. Okay. Uh, yes, I, yes, I have been. But anyway, um, no. My uh, my character with a revenge story is Perry's sister. You know, there is like a sister, but she like never had a line. And as a matter of fact, at one point in the story, they didn't even show her face. Like they just showed her the back of her head. Like I think, like the yeah. actress they originally hired, like was around for a few days and said, you know, I got a shift at the Tim Hortons coffee shop. I can't come in today, so they just got somebody else who's just <laughs> showing the back of her head. But I've given her a name. Her name is Luella. All right. Um, and she is just, you know, been, you know, because she never says a word. They don't even acknowledge her. I mean, they feed her, but, you know, they take her to church, but they never acknowledge her. So she finally, <laughs> she finally, after all those years listening to the Christian doctrine and everything, she meets a boy. And the boy winds up being the other child of that Vietnamese woman holding her baby with the napalm. And his name is uh, Tran Van Minh. Of course, his adopted family named him Brad. So Brad and Luella, um, they, you know, of course, the father doesn't want, he uses that racially derogatory term that he used a few times in the movie. Yes. Um, Many times. Yeah, it's awful. And so basically to get her revenge, she, she runs off and elopes with Brad, not his real name. Uh, she converts to Buddhism and she kidnaps Perry and Dorothy's baby and raises the baby in the Buddhist faith. And then finally, they they go to the old movie ranch and it's sort of like their compound, like the Branch Davidians, and they're surrounded by federal authorities and the movie ranch burns to the ground. And it's like, so they were all killed in the movie or were they? Because then we're setting up the sequel to the sequel where years later, Dorothy and Perry are going through the airport and they see a Hare Krishna, a young kid, with the same birthmark on its neck as their baby. And that's the end, fade out. Ah. And then you're setting up the next movie, you know, whatever happened to Dorothy's baby. (laughs) (laughs) And and, they get on a bus and... And they run away, but this bus comes and picks Dorothy up, but nobody's driving it. And I don't know. Anyway, I'll work on it. I'll work on it. First draft. Got to commit to the character. First draft. We learned that from Natalie Kim. 
All right, Tim, what's your revenge story? Manson, My Name is Evil, Part 2, The Revenge. Ooh. So Dorothy, now married to Perry, as we saw at the end of the movie, she finds that notebook that Perry had during the trial, which we didn't mention, but he had a notebook where he was writing her name. She was the cheerleader. He was making all sorts of notes about her. And to her shock and horror, she saw that he has written a whole fantasy story about himself and Leslie having adventures and sex and then dinner and sex and nature trips and sex and then dinner again and ham sandwiches with butter and sex. (laughs) Just to enrage George. Uh, Let the record show I just punched the wall. Hot. (laughs) She also finds letters he's been writing her in prison. Love letters that he's been writing to Leslie. Uh, And he's been sending salacious love letters back to her. Dotting the eyes with little hearts and everything. So oh shit. my god, that's, that's serious. Dorothy. Dorothy has had enough. She thought they were done with Leslie. She wants revenge on Perry for his transgression. Nice. So she uses her influence to get on the Joseph Michael Rem- Ramiro jury. He was a member of the Symbionese Liberation Army who kidnapped Patty first. Oh. So she wow. got to be on the jury for his trial. And she flirts with Joseph and tries to send him little love notes. But uh, he's convicted and sentenced to life in prison, where he still is today. In the meantime, Harry finally grew tired of his job, his self-hating job. Sorry. In the meantime, Harry finally grew tired of his job. And he, he... In the meantime, Harry grew tired of his job making napalm to burn up villagers. And while building an altar to Jesus in the backyard that Dorothy wanted, he saw all the rocks he had dug up. And he thought, I think I know a better way to make money. I'll put these rocks in boxes and sell them as pet rocks for the 1975 Christmas season. God, always. Once Dorothy sees this, she sees all these little boxes he's designed and everything. She goes ballistic and shuts it all down. She throws away all the pet rocks and all the boxes. And both of them are shocked to see that someone else created pet rocks that season and became super rich. This destroys their marriage, and Dorothy goes off to strengthen her faith and join, joins Jim Jones in the new church known as the People's Temple. Uh, sad and broken, Perry loses interest in Leslie and ekes out a living making drop acid, not bombs, t-shirts before working to elect Ronald Reagan in 1980. And Dorothy heads down to Guatemala. Not Guatemala. Guiana. Kiana to, to join the, I know the I know my mass murders, murders man you do clearly the end wow applause so like Tim you wow. seem to go back to like two subjects all the time I think if you ever decide it's... to write a book of a book of <laughs> to write a book of essays the title of yes. your book of essays should be called Pet Rocks and Hitler yes Hey, Hitler was not no, in it's this. it's going to be called My Pet Rock Hitler. That's, what, it's Rock Hitler. That's what his pet rock was named. My pet My pet pet had a little mustache on it. My yeah. Pet Rock Jim Jones. All right. So here's mine. And I'm going to be, I'm going to speak very honestly to everybody here. This one was tricky because this was a movie with real people. And it is, it, it's, I know that we all talk about the Manson family in a very flippant way because it seems very distant, but. It's weird. Even a movie like this made me kind of realize like this stuff really happened. So I'm like, all right, I don't want to write about the people who were real. But as I as I showed up front, I really didn't know a lot of these people, like who was real, who wasn't. I also kind of wisely assumed that like the characters of Perry and uh, what's Dorothy would probably be chosen by you two. So I started desperately searching about for someone else that played a part in this narrative. And what I landed upon is in the repeated courtroom scenes, there was a guy just an average looking white dude sitting in the uh, jury box next to Perry. I don't think this is the guy that you felt looked like John Waters, the director, Tim. This was just a mostly bald guy who would, he, he seemed to especially enjoy whenever, like when the, the Manson girls would like do something like show little panties or something. He was a real, real schmuck. We're going to talk about this guy. Cause this guy is the star of my sequel revenge film. His name was Robert. Robert was just a just an average dude, just a peer, you know, just somebody you want on your jury. He's just a guy out there. He was up for a big promotion. Well, something we didn't mention in this is that the main character actually delays his wedding to Beverly. Uh, was that her name? To Dorothy. Because of this trial. 
other people were also in a situation where they had to delay life events. And because Perry was so reticent to convict, the jury, they were kept sequestered for a pretty long time, longer than they planned. Mm -hmm. And as a result, Robert, at his middle management job, he was passed over for promotion. And it's it's not a big thing, right? You think? But it did have an effect. Like, he gets out. He's mad. He's all kind of horny because he's been looking at these ladies. And, like, he got to kill him finally, but not really. And his job has passed him by. His wife eventually leaves him. His kids don't respect him because they can just see that he's just kind of this dirty old boomer getting older and older. And his life starts spiraling out of control. He starts sniffing glue. He starts eating glass. <laughs> mm. He starts, he's, yeah. Taking a page out of the Manson Girls notebook, he starts carving symbols into his forehead. He carves the word dingus in his forehead, but doesn't really stick, luckily, because, you know, you don't want to have the word dingus. And he did it in a mirror. He wrote it back. Right, I was going to say. And he starts drifting. no sense if yeah. you're just, like, looking at it face on. And, like, you know, he, he, like, he starts missing payments on his house. And, like, so he they take his house from him. And he sells his last few positions. He gets a motorcycle. And he just takes to the roads. Heads out from California. Starts driving through the Southwest. And he does odd jobs and he, you know, random sex acts just to make money. And like, the only thing he has left at this point, he just has like, he has the clothes on his back and his motorcycle. Just this like white jumpsuit that he's like, just, you know, his white motorcycle jumpsuit. Oh. And he's, he just feels this sense of, of, of dissatisfaction. Like something went wrong. And he starts thinking, where did my life go wrong? And he's able to trace it back to that fucking trial. And he decides he wants revenge. And he knows... All the Manson family people, they're they're in jail. His ire falls on Perry. So he starts ghosting Perry as he goes through his life, creating napalm and Agent Orange and probably AIDS and other horrible things. And then one day he finds out that he's going to be at this place called Snake River Canyon. Yes. <laughs> and Robert, by this point, he's gotten pretty good at riding his motorcycle. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't want people to know it's him, so he starts going by his middle name. And I mentioned his last name already? Knievel? Right. He's, he's evil Knievel. His middle name middle, is evil? Was his middle name my name? Robert. Was his full middle name my name is evil? <laughs> <laughs> nope, it's Robert Evil Knievel. Robert, evil, evil. And so Robert, his whole plan is he's going to do this spectacular jump across the Snake River Canyon and land right on Perry and kill him. And unfortunately, we all know it doesn't quite work out. But Evil Knievel goes on to have a pretty successful Daredevil career from there before finally dying in Clearwater, Florida in 2007, age 69, of pulmonary disease. His revenge never quite served, but, you know, Evil Knievel never quite landed those big jumps anyway. And my movie is called... Leslie, my name is Evil. Nice. Can evil. <laughs> it's amazing how you came up with all those facts on his death without Wikipedia. I'm amazed. <laughs> oh, I wrote down notes. You know, his real name was Robert Evil Knievel. Is I'm that being, insane? I'm, I'm being facetious. I'm being facetious. George, I'm being facetious. <laughs> No, you're not. You th you're really impressed with my knowledge. I'm really impressed with your encyclopedic knowledge of Robert Evil Knievel. Robert Leslie, my name is Evil Knievel. <laughs> when he got older and wrinkled, that, that thing as he carved into his forehead, it, it said uh, Hootie. <laughs> oh, God. It morphed, morphed into Hootie. <laughs> that, and that's... That's why Hootie and the Blowfish was originally called Dingus and the Diddlers. Dingus <laughs> and the Diddlers. And they, that's a, they, that's a different yeah, they got arrested in Louisiana for that, though. So they're like, we don't allow diddling in this town. I this got day. outbid on eBay on an old Dingus and the Dinglers uh, concert poster. Oh, I wanted that so badly. All right. All right that's it. This, huh? That is it. I'm sure George has picked a funny movie about the Holocaust we're going to watch next week. No, Tim, I'm not you. Yes, the movie I have chosen for next week. It is available for the listening public on Tubi and for my two illustrious co-hosts. It is, I want to make sure you get the name correct, Strippers vs. Werewolves. Stripper vs. 2012 English film. 2000. Comedy slash... 2012. Oh my God. Comedy slash horror. 
a bunch of strippers fight a bunch of werewolves. Oh my god, how the academy <laughs> look be... this over, I do not know. George, does this have like uh, 80% on Rotten Tomatoes? Did you check? I, you know, it, it's look, it's on Tubi. Uh, <laughs> mm, let me see. All right. So, so, what, we, right, so, so we don't go above like 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is that our criteria now? <laughs> like, okay, we'll do 25. If it goes beyond above yeah, 25, like we do not watch it. That'll be, that'll be our new rule. <laughs> on, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has uh, a rating of 25% oh, out of eight votes. On IMDb, it has one and a half stars. <laughs> it has its own Wikipedia page, and there is an actor in it named Billy Murray, but not <gasps> to be confused with Bill Murray. Oh, oh, oh! And motherfucking Robert Englund, a.k.a. Krieger. No. He's in it. Oh, my God. It's going to be good, everybody. God. I I predict there's going to be a scene where a stripper fights a werewolf. <laughs> Don't give anything and away, the, George. Don't give anything and, away. And the, the werewolf will be from the town flow. I hope George that the werewolves like, have. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to seeing like multiple boobs in the werewolves, just like that one brief scene in Howling 3, the best movie ever made. I have one, Except for Leslie by Name is Evil. I have one thing that we forgot right. to say about Howling 3, a movie we watched. I have one thing to point out yes. that we never talked about. The character in Howling 3, for those who didn't see it, she ran away from her werewolf village, and she's on a bus, uh-huh. and she says, uh-huh. my father's a werewolf, and he rapes me. I'm running away from home. I said that part. But that was what... My stepfather's a werewolf, and he tr- I tried to rape me, was the actual line. Was yeah. it tried? Well, they go back to the town. Isn't that her stepfather that is there? They... I think Philo is yeah. her stepfather. They go back and, like, and I know it's, never mention it's it very again. odd. They... They never mention it again. He never makes right. any attempt to attack her. Right. Uh, we kind of were supposed to think of him as a hero eventually. Yeah, we never talked yeah, about it that. Was, right. I think, I think, right. uh, you, I don't think it was stepfather in like a legal term. It's like when younger yeah. calls, younger guys call me daddy. You know, I'm not really their daddy. <laughs> yeah, uh, they do. I'm not paying, your, they, college, I'm not, I'm not paying your college tuition after this. John, how can you hear what they're saying with their face shoved into a pillow like that? You, you you learn, learn. <laughs> it's, like learning, it's like learning a foreign language. You learn after a while. It's all in the uh, cadence of their voices. It's like, yeah, I'm not paying note, for your college I'm tuition after this. I don't care how good it is. Don't call me daddy. <laughs> Are we done? Do we have to mention Goop one more time? I think we were done at 23 minutes, 52 seconds, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> Shortest episode yet. Oh, send us your emails at sedibimco with an E at gmail.com. You can tell us what you thought the revenge sequel should be like or what you think of Goop or uh, if you have an embarrassing high school story. You can find us at uh, SETI underscore BIMCO on Instagram and on uh, Mastodon and all the socials except for Facebook and Twitter. We're out there. You can hear us on any platform. Give us five stars. There. All right. All right. All right. You're all right, Tim. I'm, I'm all right. I will see you uh, next week. Goodbye. All right. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. This has been a Pity Party Line production. Party line. It's a party line. I love the way Tim's brain works. So do I. But he I, was, don't. <laughs> I don't. That, that was Tim's like, I don't. I don't. I don't. I have a question. The doctor's, telling, question? Me yeah. does, the doctor's uh, telling me I might need pills. I don't like the way my brain works. Yeah. Tim, you, spoke, Tim, you have to yes end.